Welcome back to the CPA Success Podcast. I'm Blair Cook. And I'm Jay Nicholson. Today we're going to speak with Asif Kayum and Rolandi Tresca. Asif is a Managing Director in PwC Canada's Emerging Technology Assurance Practice. And Asif has worked in the Asia, Middle East, and North American regions. He is an international Fulbright nominee and an Alfred Sloan Fellow from MIT. He sits on Ontario Security Commission's FinTech Advisory Committee. And Rolandi Tresca is a director at PwC. Rolandi is a management consultant who helps organizations solve their toughest business problems. His work spans startups to large multinationals. He's worked in corporate strategy and development, business transformation, assurance, enterprise risk management and governance, and technology strategy and design. And today, Blair is speaking with them about robotic process automation. Let's get started. I'm joined today by Asif Kayum and Rolande Tresca. And today we're going to be talking about robotic process automation, or RPA. Perhaps we better start out with a definition of what that exactly entails. Sure. Uh, the simplest way to think about RPA, or robotic process automation, is uh, Excel macros, which I think most of us are aware of, on steroids. Yeah, cer- certainly many of the CPA professionals out there are familiar with Excel and the macros. Exactly. So yeah, just to simplify it even further, in the world of macros, we taught computer programs, specifically Excel, to take a bunch of data, do something with it, and give us an output. RPA is the natural evolution of that mechanic, whereby we're no longer constrained to Microsoft Excel, nor are we constrained to a particular software or product, but we can take that automation capability and essentially have it touch a number of different systems, processes, or people to essentially achieve some level of automation. So think of a traditional HR onboarding process or a procurement payment process or some sort of data reconciliation activity that touches multiple systems. Instead of having humans perform those repetitive mundane tasks, you can now program intelligent bots, as they're called, to essentially achieve the same thing for you. Great. Thank you. Uh, and Rulani, that was, uh, I think that is the most effective way when we come to explaining uh, RPA to, to folks. Uh, and what RPA actually, uh, usually because of the term robotic process automation, it almost always gets people, people can associate with are there actually robots in there. But in case of RPA, these are actually soft bots or, or these are uh, pieces of software code which actually mimic any human behavior on a computer interface. So whether you were to any process that you do working between programs, copying from one place, pasting it at another point in another software, or doing repetitive tasks as Rolandi said, what RP essentially you could program it to do any of that of those tasks. And the the processes that we put through robotic process automation are Primarily, the ones we started off with, what we call as swivel chair processes, things swivel swivel chair chair processes, like pick something from here and keep it here, pick something from here, right? So, so meaning that tasks which do not require a lot of cognitive ability, right? So, pushing paper, so pushing, yeah, pushing paper. So, like for example, in the case of either invoice generation or procure to pay process, we know there are a lot of locked in 
manual tasks that have to happen. And, and I, I, I'll explain one that we, that we recently accomplished in this. So, uh, so for example, in an organization when a new employee comes in, uh, what actually happens is that you have to do a background check with six or seven different agencies. This could be the credit bureau, this could be the police verification, the RCMP verification with the banks, with the mortgage companies, just to make sure that there's a clean, there's a background check. Now what actually happens in that? There's a person dedicated in the HR department, goes in, logs into each system, puts in, say for example, my first name, my last name, Asif Kayum, checks, okay fine, no background, no negative record, go to the next system, log in, enter that again, copy paste that result into Excel. Again, go to the third system. There they say, oh, there's a name conflict, there's a name check, now I, I need to do some more checking. Now this process of going through seven or eight different databases takes about 40 minutes. Now imagine, now that person has to go for a coffee break, works nine to five, uh, and with, a, with large organizations that we represent, you see you have, you have like hundreds of people coming in every day. And that is why the, the onboarding process gets so delayed. So from the time you book an employee to that A, the person is ready to get, uh, that we've chosen the person, to the time the person actually joins employment, is a lot of time is wasted and there's a lot of backlog because you have a limited human resource available for it. Imagine bots doing that. Because this is just swivel chair process. You go, you log in the name, get the result, copy paste into Excel, do the next, do the next, do the next, and you're... So I can imagine listeners at this point are thinking like there's literally a robot sitting at a keyboard doing doing that. What, what do you mean, like, that's not what you mean, obviously. What, what is a bot? It's, mm -hmm. not, it's not a robot sitting there doing this. Yeah, a bot is simply a piece of code. Um, so think of a bot uh, as a, um, a computer resource that's been programmed to do a specific task. Where that differs from a traditional macro, say, is that with the advent of things like artificial intelligence, these bots are becoming smarter and smarter. And so while a macro may automate a very tactical process of always copy what's in column A and always paste it in column B, regardless of any other conditions and or parameters surrounding that, an intelligent bot has some level of decision-making not authority, but some level of decision-making ability based on parameters in its surrounding. So in other words, if we're automating the uh, employee onboarding process, uh, a bot may be intelligent enough to say that if there is a match between Asif Kayum and somebody else, don't automatically assume that that negative match belongs to this Asif Kayum. Take that one step further and verify through his social insurance numbers, through his date of birth or something like that, to actually peel back the layers and determine whether that negative record is in relation to him or somebody else. So it's an intelligent way of automation, but fundamentally, when you peel back all the layers, it's literally source code that somebody's written to accomplish a particular task. And do these swivel chair jobs, do they, do they work better with internal uh, tasks for automation? I was just thinking in my mind around you know going out and going to the various credit bureaus and stuff like that. And usually at the bottom, isn't there something that says uh, you have to do a, a, a cap sheet check or something that says I'm not a bot? Wouldn't that trip up the bot? So, so you're, you're, you're very right about that. So coming to the first point that you said, it is both for internal and external processes. You can use it anywhere. So, so, so you, yeah. could, you could basically use it anywhere. But there are certain enforcements that are aligned that you have to collaborate with. So example, if there is a, if there is a humanity check in there, like a CAPTCHA kind of a check, 
then then those processes actually enforce you or, or you have to negotiate with that third party a bit more to talk about that we have like and usually in those cases you you do get some sort of an api by- bypass into that oh interesting uh, into that system however uh, that and that can happen so generally the privacy and the regulation we are also quite observant of all of those so if there are any websites or there are any external sources of data which require a human intervention then of course these processes often or always get interrupted the and bypassed to a human there's an intervention point of a human once that gets bypassed you do get activated but generally in these internal processes like as i mentioned uh, the order to cash or procure to pay or hr background checks or uh, vendor master checking for uh, an enterprise resource planning system these processes generally are within the realm of one enterprise but spread across multiple systems right. and uh, what rpa also essentially does different from a macro is that rpa systems for automation could be implemented at the uh, at the graphic user interface layer the visual layer it they could be implemented at the middle tier they could even be used for back end database data scrubbing anywhere you can emulate how a human interacts with the computer interface that interaction could be emulated through an rpa uh, solution can you just explain how because i i i'm i i get I, i'm starting to see the use application of bots but how does how does a bot get created is this a piece of software or is it is it something that gets coded every time is it what is a bot so so there are a number of software providers that provide you with a platform to create these bots upon Uh, and I'll explain it in a very simple way. Think of a think of Microsoft uh, Visio, which I think most of us are familiar with as a flowcharting tool. Right. What Microsoft Visio allows you to do is flowchart a process on paper, right? You do this, then it goes to this. If yes, go here. If no, go here, etc., etc. There are vendors in the market that essentially provide you with that same type of interface, but behind every little action decision diamond x y and z there is code to actually perform that task so if we wanted to say automate uh, a simple invoice check to make sure that it's not a duplicate invoice uh, the very first thing that we would do is in this software program we would essentially bring in an action to say open the program or open the business application which contains our invoices take the invoice number double check it against all of the invoices in the system if there is a duplicate send me an email with the duplicate information if there isn't a duplicate restart this process at 8am in the next morning and it's literally a drag and drop exercise where you pull in all these you know parts of the process together you string it together in the uh, sequence that you'd like it to run on you save it and effectively that becomes your bot it's then programmed to run 8am every day that effectively then becomes part of your process and so instead of a human doing that 8am in the morning you have the bot in this case the, the code or the program that runs and obviously there is a whole slew of you know implications around that risk being one uh, in terms of it doing the right thing and you know things like segregation of duties also creep into the discussion because again traditionally it's been very easy to segregate humans you know you work in AP you work in AR you guys don't talk to each other so to speak right but now when we start applying those concepts to bots it's it's a different it's a shift in thinking to say you know how do we now ensure that this bot that's a very sophisticated sort of 
uh, solution is not encroaching on things like segregation of duties or access to sensitive information. And so, you know, from an audit perspective, there's a whole uh, discussion right now around, yes, we can see observable benefits, but from a risk perspective, how do we effectively manage the risk that these solutions can introduce? And I know that you have a, sure. a very interesting analogy there, Asif, and maybe you can yeah. share that. Yeah, and I, I'll absolutely come to that, but dwelling on the, uh, the segregation of duties a bit more, because uh, day before yesterday we were on the panel and someone questioned that, why is that? But basically the reason for uh, being cognizant of that in this particular scenario is that at the end of the day, these bots, they, are, they actually have human controllers. So if you have a bot working on an AP and an AR, there's a human control panel and, and the person behind it would then be privy to the data from both the sites. And this could have implications, for example, if you have got bots working on the payroll processing side, and you need to have different kind of people having different authorization for different levels of access in an organization, this could create an issue. And, and So he who controls the bots controls the organization. Uh, well, <laughs> that's a very broad <laughs> statement, but and that is exactly uh, how the risk the framework concern. is structured around, yeah. that, that how, do you, how do you manage that and, and uh, what level of controls need to exist. And not only that, imagine a bot working across different systems. So right now there is a, uh, there is a whole concept around where we do user auth authentication authorization across different systems, where every user has got a certain span and a depth control in the application that you have access to. Like if I go into a certain system, it would allow me to go into this module and up to this depth of layer. Now, if an RPA system is engaged and programmed across various different systems, we need to do the same level of user authentication, authorization, uh, within what, what access does that bot have, because through those bots, those controls can become A, uh, be a general risk for the operationalization, but B, uh, they, there are people who have access to the control panel and what information they could see. Right. And, and also the analogy that Rolandi was referring to, when we talk about organizations embracing RP, and believe me, it is happening at a hugely fast pace, primarily because of its ability to unlock the potential operational costs which are locked into these repetitive processes like the one that I just mentioned to you. Uh, you have to make sure that you follow the right kind of change management processes in doing that. And, and the reason for doing that is like, uh, it, it's generally referred to, or, or a term that we've coined is, a, is the cake mix paradox. Meaning that, for example, like when I bake now with my kids, right, I generally pick up the cake mix. I really don't know what the ingredients are. I, I just read the labeling and I just mix it accordingly. Whereas my mother would know how much flour went in, how many eggs went in, what was the baking powder. Now the reality is that transform that into the RPA world. This HR process which I just mentioned got replaced by a bot. Now the person is not there anymore. Over a few days the person said, well I could go in another organization, leaves your firm. Now if you don't have the right level of documentation when that uh, process got RPA'd, businesses evolve. Processes change all the time. Transition is in the nature of our very existence. Then what happens to, hey, what was this process in the first place? Because that right now we rely, we don't even realize, but there's a lot of knowledge which is locked in with the user yeah. that we don't realize. 
So we got to make sure that the processes or the use cases that we actually put through the RPA process, we have to think through the entire change management life cycle of it. We have to prepare for it, make sure the documentation is correct, make sure that there is a that the person may go away, but there is a continuum in the of that the life cycle of that process for in order to make sure that there's a path to maturity going forward for is it. there and the kind of as you're really getting at striking at the, the risk management aspect of deploying the bots in terms of that risk management framework for deploying bots who who controls is this a finance thing that's deploying bots is it a IT driven uh, initiative who was takes responsibility for the deployment of bots I, I think there is a number of risks that uh, that that you need to consider with respect to an RPA solution and that risk landscape is generally best addressed by various players. So from an IT perspective, when you think of things like security, and as have touched on the concepts of user authentication and authorization. So ensuring that bots have the right level of access, for example, would certainly be a consideration of the IT team in ensuring that it's you know in accordance to the IT policies, much like there would be for an average human user, right? When you get into the uh, risk considerations around what level of control and governance you place over your bots, then certainly there is discussion that must happen at the internal audit and or controls and compliance part of the organization to talk about how do we audit an RPA solution? What's the frequency of that audit? What do the controls look like? What do we test for, et cetera, et cetera. In some cases, you actually use RPA to perform your audits. And therefore, then you have mm. an even different discussion that emerges. Uh, and certainly within other pockets of the organization, whether it be finance or whatnot, there are various discussions. I think the most important takeaway is that to Asif's point, having the right level of governance, much like you do with any other technology, is of, us, is of utmost importance because, again, when it's all said and done and your organization grows and evolves, you're left with things that do a terrific job in terms of efficiency and automation, but things that can quickly grow out of control uh, and, and cause a lot of issues. In, in the world of legacy applications, whether it be at the banks or otherwise, you have archaic systems where there is a lack of documentation uh, and if something goes sideways, it takes a long time and costs a lot of money to fix. So think of that, but on an automation scale where it's doing something hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times per second or per minute, right? And so that becomes a very serious consideration for an organization to manage appropriately. Otherwise, it could actually cause a lot more harm than it was designed to do so in the first place. I mean, is there standards around how you develop the bots? I guess there's standardization if you're using a software, but if you're customizing development on your own, like how do you ensure that the bots you deploy in your manufacturing you know, are consistent in methodology and, and programming to the bots you've got in finance? Yeah. So, great question. So, to start thinking around on this paradigm is that uh, robotic process automation fundamentally does not put, remains within the same realm of how do you maintain enterprise software. So, you got to think about disaster recovery, you got to think about business continuity in this case as well. You got to think about pretty much all the basic tenets that we w that we consider when we talk about any other enterprise uh, uh, level uh, solution, software solution. And however, in case of, specifically in case of RPA, uh, there is definitely a much more inclusiveness of business in the entire life cycle of its implementation. Because you pick up, you're not talking about 
a complete enterprise grade end to end level of transformation you are picking up at these locked in small processes of inefficiencies which you could automate and remove or unlock that inefficiency which has been caught up and being done by human workers so because you pick up a particular process right which a human is doing you have a lot of engagement from that specific business component and the approach that we generally recommend is that because the rpa has got value not just in finance not just in marketing not just in sales f- function where you have to say uh, keep on maintaining your uh, updating your vendor database for example repeatedly across different systems all the time and there's a person who's constantly massaging the data making sure that it aligns since it is a cross enterprise platform our recommendation is that any organization which goes beyond a certain uh, number of bots they should have a centralized governance model mm. rolling up to a center of excellence within the firm for that particular yeah, technology in case like rpa so whether the marketing goes out hey these are the prescribed vendors that you're going to choose from this is a documentation that you need to have this is a methodology that you're going to follow this is a process that you're going to undertake this is how you're going to test it this is how you're going to put a uat on it this is how you're going to launch it into a production because what we're uh, seeing but that unto itself you just what you just said that's a lot of work for an organization to put but, in place but, and i don't want is there is there is there a quick start way of just i want to try a bot on one particular process yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. So, so doing pocs is is fundamentally how everyone gets addicted on to this the reality or, or the challenge that we see in bot in case of rpa is that the roi is so instant L- like the moment i automate a bot you free up time of a resource right very soon you have fts getting replaced and what actually happens is that we see in a lot of cases where businesses started off as doing pocs and they never put it to the entire enterprise level of uh, poc uh, mean proof of concept proof of concept right. sorry yeah yeah and, and they did not battle test it enough it uh, because a proof of concept is a proof of concept it is more of having and i don't wish to uh, i know this again is a oft used Uh, or abuse term like i'm not talking about just a minimum viable product mm-hmm. but basically what you do is you take it through that a uh, life cycle say hey it does but you don't battle test it ready that is it at the enterprise level or not and lo and behold the value that it is giving to the organization they just never put it through the 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 proper way of testing it out for all of its uh, uh, various whether it can take that load how well does it perform are you able to monitor it or not because if yeah. a bot tomorrow doesn't has a malfunction and stops working it's almost like you have a person not showing up for work but is someone does someone know that the process is not working anymore yeah and we're talking about organizations who are now putting rpa to use for hundreds and hundreds of processes in order to get the right level of ROI for their investments. And what what sort of ROI can people you, you alluded to the fact that FTEs are falling away and efficiencies and people's times are being relieved like this this actually is starting to sound quite exciting in terms of the amount of overhead that can be stripped out of out of organizations. What do you have any sense with some of your clients like Well, there, there was a recent study that was done and and then I was uh, reading through it um it estimated and I think the study was done by McKinsey but it estimated that 60% of organizations globally have up to 30% for automation potential 
and the way they defined automation potential was essentially aligned to the use of solutions like RPA to automate mundane tasks. So that's a huge number when you think about it because if you can automate up to 30% of processes within your organization, and I'm not talking about a mom and pop shop, I'm talking about you know, a Fortune 100, Fortune 500, 50,000 strong type of organization, that's, that's tremendous, right? Yeah. In terms of cost saving, in terms of efficiency. But I think even more impressive than that is, and to Asif's point, you unlock so much potential to repurpose, retool, and refit your existing employees to then really add much more value to the organization than they would with these swivel chair processes, right? There's no reason um, for somebody to spend an exorbitant amount of time checking seven different databases when you can have a software solution to do that for you that A, will not make an error, B, will never fall sick, C, will never not show up to work, D, will not request vacation, so on and so forth, right? You're, you're already selling me here. As, <laughs> as a finance executive myself right now, I think it'd be interesting, like, how do I get started? Like, I, I'm excited to go back to my office and try some of these ideas. How do you get started in RPA? I think, so the general approach that we've, uh, you know, taken and generally the types of discussions we have with our clients is, see, automation can become uh, dangerous uh, quite fast because the, you know, the, the, the the go-to statement is really around, you need to automate the right thing. Yes. If you automate the right thing, then you will do the right thing very fast and very efficiently. Is there an easy win out there that, that would, that's universal? So, well, <laughs> Going back to it, your employee reference checks or something yeah, like that? Yeah, I'm not sure if it's universal, but, but generally we, we, we conduct sort of a, a workshop style thinking session with our clients to understand A, what type of processes within the organization are suitable for automation. And those are generally ones that are repetitive and structured enough to the point where it leaves very little ambiguity and or deviation for the bot to fall prey to or to, 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 to basically be uh, you know, invalidated with. Um, and, and generally, those types of processes that are repetitive in nature. So you wouldn't want to automate something that's a one-off, but if you're doing something that's high in volume, whether it's vendor onboarding, whether it's checking invoices, whether it's some part of your payment function, or even other things like data reconciliation, right? There are so many uh, you know, processes that I can think of where somebody's job is literally to collect data from disparate systems, stitch that together in some meaningful way, and then report that, right? So, so that's the type of thinking session that I think is crucial to identifying the right processes. And that's probably the hardest part. The technology aspect of RPA, and I'm sure Asif would agree, is not overly difficult. I'm not going to say that it's you know one, two, three, and you're done, but the technology component is generally, uh, you know, and they've made it very easy now where you don't necessarily need an IT person. A business analyst type of person can very much These enable. These tools are that, that easy. They're the user friendly. But again, it all boils down to automating the right thing. And so having that strategic discussion to really, you know, put up the processes on the board and say, okay, you know, which one makes sense for us as an organization? Where is the biggest automation potential for us? That's the hard part. Once you identify that, then automating it, I think, is probably a little easier than, than most maybe think. So we're looking out uh, a couple of years from now, say five years from now. Is a lot of uh, the jobs in the CPA profession at risk here? What do you? What's your sentiment so, there? So, so I guess it's. I think this was. We we've seen this before many times, right? When automation comes in and uh, when and it spreadsheets came, spreadsheets first came in, spreadsheets first came in, then ERP systems came in, then cloud computing came in. Now RPA is coming in tomorrow. AI is gonna come. 
the reality is that uh, the the jobs are going to be redefined, and I think this is happening at a mass scale with how the data is changing our lives all around us. So I think that is an inevitable. RPA is not going to take the work away. It's just that RPA helps you focus on tasks that need human attention. And if you can take that, uh, unlock that potential from doing mundane tasks to things that require actual attention, imagine the productivity of that HR person who's actually wasting time and thinking about, hey, what am I stuck in, to actually thinking about, hey, why is this name showing up or uh, why is this certain anomaly in a certain process? And one thing that I would like to, uh, uh, to mention further in this is that all of these bots have got an extremely good audit trail inbuilt into it as well. Like if they're carrying out a certain function, it also kind of changes the role of the audit professional too because now you have an audit log, you go check the process and you have an audit log at your disposal that like if I generate an invoice, yes, you have to go back to a system, but you cannot have an audit on ASIF. But here is, imagine ASIF got replaced by a bot, and that bot, you can go on this particular date for this particular vendor, what was, uh, what was the uh, value that was generated at, at a certain level of process. So it brings in not only the, rep, uh, the, the uh, precision to the task, but it also gives you a line to auditability of that in real time because all of the actions that the bot did was uh, are now traceable and trackable, and that makes the path or the uh, event uh, much more readily uh, auditable in case you need to find out or trace back to a certain anomaly. So where are we, uh, to wrap things up, where are we in the adoption uh, curve of RPA? Are we in the early stages of the game, or is it starting to really ramp up with uh, what you're seeing in the marketplace? That's an interesting question. So I think the, the way I like to think about RPA specifically is, 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 is placing it on a technology continuum. Um, at the very start of that continuum, it really was around you know macros and scripting, that's right. which obviously there is that's, a ton of adoption new. on. Yeah. yeah. Then from there, I think we saw the advent of business process automation, where certain ERP systems or types of software allowed you to do something more efficiently. So, for example, SAP can be used to uh, um, you know uh, manage your inventory in a much more efficient way, right? In terms of uh, MRP and uh, planning and forecasting. RPA is the evolution of that, where we're now stepping outside of one ERP system or one particular software and stitching together a number of different systems, processes, et cetera, et cetera. And I think there's a ton of adoption right now, uh, both large-scale uh, uh, enterprise adoption and you know smaller one-off use cases as well. And then I think where that continuum will go probably in the next uh, you know five to 10 years, especially with the advent of AI systems, is really around cognitive automation, meaning that if you have an RPA bot that spans beyond programmable instructions, but now can use some level of cognitive uh, cognition to essentially make decisions on its own, understand and analyze data outside of its program parameters to become much more smarter, that I think will really be the revolutionary leap that RPA is kind of leading us into. And, and I think that's where then you'll see uh, you know, real, true, revolutionary use cases around things like medical diagnosis, right? So, you know, a doctor relies on his or her experience based on the samples or cases that they've seen in their, say, 20-year history as a career. Mm -hmm. Imagine a bot being able to rely on every bit of information available globally.
yeah. right? That's where I think you're going to see a, a ton of uh, automation potential that is unprecedented and probably hasn't been done as of today, I think. But I think that's a great place to leave it. Gentlemen, I appreciate you uh, dropping by to talk to us today. Great. Thank, Thank you, you very, very much, much for having us. Thank you.